सो हेयर इज द लास्ट गर्ल बाई नादिया मुराद पार्ट टू चैप्टर थ्री आई होप यू आर गोइंग टू लाइक इट सो लेट्स गेट स्टार्टेड चैप्टर थ्री गर्ल्स लाइक मी वर लोडेड ऑन टू टू ऑफ द बसेज द बॉयज इंक्लूडिंग टीनेजर्स लाइक नूरी एंड माई नेफ्यू मलिक हु हैड बीन स्पेयर्ड इन गोचो बिकॉज दे वर यंग गोट ऑन टू द थर्ड दे वर एज टेरीफाइड एज वी वर armed jeeps full of islamic state militants waited to escort the buses as if we were going to war which maybe we were while i waited in the crowd a militant walked over to me it was the same man who had earlier been poking through the scarves with his gun and he still held that weapon in his hands will you convert he asked me as he had been when he played with our scarves he was smirking mocking us i shook my head if you convert you can stay here he said gesturing back at the institute where my mother and sisters were you can be with your mother and sisters and tell them to convert too again i shook my head i was too scared to say anything fine he stopped smirking and scolded at me then you will get on the bus with all the others the bus was huge with at least 40 rows of six seats cut down the middle by a long lit asl and surrounded by windows that were covered by draped curtains as the seats filled the air quickly became heavy and hard to breathe but when we tried to open the windows or even the curtains so that we could see outside a militant yelled at us to sit still i was close to the front and could hear the driver talking on his phone i wondered if he would reveal where we were going but he spoke in the turkmen language so i could not understand him from my seat on the asl i watched the driver and the road through the wide windshield it was dark when we pulled away from the institute so all i could see when he turned on the headlights was a small patch of black asphalt and the occasional tree or bush I could not see behind us and so I did not get to watch the Solag Institute retreat into the background with my mothers and sisters inside it. We drove quickly the two buses full of girls in the front and one with boys in the back and the white jeeps leading and following our caravan. Our bus was eerily quiet, quiet. All I could hear were the footsteps of a militant pacing the asl and the sound of the engine. I started to feel car sick and tried to close my eyes. The smell of sweat and body odor filled the bus. A girl in the back vomited into her hand violently at first and then when a militant yelled at her to stop as quietly as she could. Her vomiting created a sore odor that spread through the bus and was almost unbearable and some girls close to her started throwing up as well. No one could comfort them. We were not allowed to touch or talk to one another. The militant pacing the ASL was a tall man about 35 years old named Abu Batat. He seemed to enjoy his job stopping at certain rows to peer at the girls singling out the ones who covered or pretended to be asleep. Eventually he started pulling certain girls from their seats and sending them to the back of the bus where he made them stand against the wall. Smile He told them before taking a photo on his cell phone laughing while he did it as though amused by the panic that overwhelmed each girl as he chose when they looked down in fear he would yell raise your head and with each girl he seemed to grow bolder 
I closed my eyes and tried to block out what was happening. In spite of how terrified I was, my body was so exhausted that I quickly fell asleep. I could not rest though and every time sleep came, my head snapped back up and I opened my eyes, started and sat there staring through the windshield and remembering remembering after a moment where I was. I could not tell for sure but it seemed like we were on the road to Mosul which was serving as the capital of the Islamic state in Iraq taking over the city was a huge victory for ISIS and videos online showed celebration after they occupied the streets and municipal buildings and blocked the roads around Mosul the Kurdish and central Iraqi forces meanwhile swore that they would take the city back from the Islamic state militants even if it took years we don't have years i thought and fell asleep again suddenly i felt a hand on my left shoulder and opened my eyes to see abu batar standing over me his green eyes glowing and his mouth contorted into a smile my face was almost level with the pistol he had strapped to his side and i felt like a rock sitting there unable to move or to talk I closed my eyes again praying that he would go away and then I felt his hand move slowly across my shoulder brushing my neck and then down the front of my dress until it stopped over my left breast it felt like fire i had never been touched like that before i opened my eyes but did not look at him i just looked straight ahead abu batad reached inside my dress and grabbed my breast hard as if he wanted to hurt me and then walked away every second with isis was part of a slow painful death of the body and the soul and that moment on the bus with abu batad was the moment i started dying I was from a village and raised in a good family. Whenever I left the house, no matter where I was going, my mother would examine me. Button up your shirt, Nadia, she would say, be a good girl. Now this stranger was touching me savagely and there was nothing I could do. Abu Batad continued to walk up and down the bus, groping the girls who sat on the aisle, passing his hand over us as if we were not human, as if he had no fear that we would move. or get angry when he came to me again i grabbed his hand trying to stop him from putting it under my dress i was too scared to talk i began crying and my tears fell on his hand but still he did not stop these are the things that happen between lovers when they get married i thought this had been my view of the world and of love my entire life from the moment i was old enough to know what marriage was through all the courtships and celebrations in Kocho until the very moment that Abu Batad touched me and shattered that idea. He has been doing that to all the girls sitting on the ASL. The girl sitting in the middle seat next to me whispered, He has been touching all of them. Please switch with me. I begged her. I don't want him to touch me again. I can't, she replied. I am too scared. Abu Batad continued walking up and down the ASL. posing in front of the girls he liked best when i closed my eyes i could hear the swish of his baggy white pants and his sandals slapping against his feet every few moments a voice in arabic would come in on the radio he held in one hand but it was too sticky to make out exactly what it was saying 
Each time he passed me, he ran his hand along my shoulder and over my left breast, then walked away. I was sweating so much I felt as if I were in the shower. I noticed that he avoided the girls who had been vomiting earlier and I pushed my hand into my mouth trying to make myself throw up, hoping that I could cover my entire dress in vomit and keep his hand off me, but it was useless. I gagged painfully and nothing came out. The bus stopped in Talafar, a majority Turkmen city about 30 miles from Sinjar city, and militants started talking on their cell phones and radios trying to figure out what their superiors wanted them to do. They said to drop the boys off here, the driver said to Abu Batad, and they both left the bus. Through the windshield, I saw Abu Batad talking to other militants, and I wondered what about. Three quarters of the Lafar's residents were Sunni Turkmens, and months before ISIS came to Sinjar, the city cities had fled, leaving it open for the militants. The left side of my body edged where Abu Batad had groped me. <coughs> Sorry. I prayed that he would not get back on the bus, but after a few minutes he did, and we started moving again. As we backed away, I could see through the windshield that we were leaving one of the buses behind. Later I learned that it was the bus full of boys, including my nephew Malik, whom ISIS would try to brainwash into fighting in their terrorist group. As the years went by and the war continued, they would use the boys as human shield and suicide bombers. As soon as he was back on the bus, Abu Batad resumed molesting us. He had chosen his favorites and he visited us most often and kept his hand on us longer, gripping us so hard, it felt like he wanted to tear our bodies apart. After 10 minutes after leaving Talafar, I could not take it anymore. When I felt his hand on my shoulder again, I screamed. It tore open the silence. Soon other girls started screaming as well, until the inside of the bus sounded like the scene of a mascara. Abu Batat froze. Shut up, all of you, he shouted. But we did not. If he kills me, I don't care, I thought. I want to be dead. The Turkmen driver pulled over and the bus stopped with a jolt, jerking me in my seat. The driver shouted something into his phone. A moment later, one of the white jeeps that had been driving in front of us stopped too, and a man got out of the passenger seat and started walking toward our bus. I recognized the militant, a commander named Nafa from Solak. At the institute, he had been particularly cruel and harsh, shouting at us without an ounce of humanity. I thought he was like a machine. The driver opened the door for the commander, and Nafa stormed onto the bus. Who started this? He asked Abu Batat, and my tormentor pointed at me. She did, he said, and Nafa walked over to where I sat. Before he could do anything, I started talking. Nafa was a terrorist, but did not ISIS have rules about how the women were treated? Surely, if they considered themselves to be good Muslims, they would object to the way that Abu Batat was abusing us. You brought us here on this bus. You made us come. We had no choice. And this man? I pointed at Abu Batat, my hand shaking out of fear. He has been putting his hand on our breast the entire time. He has been grabbing us, and he won't leave us alone. 
Nafa was quiet after I spoke. For a moment, I had hoped that he would punish Abu Batad, but that hope disappeared when Abu Batad started to talk. What do you think you are here for? He said to me, his voice loud enough for everyone in the bus to hear. Honestly, don't you know? Abu Batad walked over to where Nafa stood and grabbed my neck, pushing my head against the seat and pointing his gun at my forehead. Girls around me shrieked, but I was too scared to make a sound. If you close your eyes, I will shoot you, he said. Nafa walked back toward the bus door. Before he left, he turned to us. I don't know what you thought we had taken you for, he said, but you have no choice. You are here to be Sabaya and you will do exactly what we say and if any of you scream again trust me things will be even worse for you then with abu batad still pointing his gun at me nafa left the bus it was the first time i had heard the arabic word applied to me when isis took over sinzer and began kidnapping yazidis they called their human spoils sabaya referring to the young women they would buy and sell as sex slaves this was part of their plan for us sourced from an interpretation of the quran that had long been banned by the world's muslim communities and written into the fatwas and pamphlets isis made official before they attacked sinzer yazidi girls were considered infidels and according to the militants interpretation of the quran raping a slave is not a sin we would entice new recruits to join the ranks of the militants and be passed around as a reward for loyalty and good behavior everyone on the bus was destined for that fate we were no longer human beings we were sabaya Abu Batad let go of my neck and put his gun away but from that moment on until we arrived in Mosul about an hour later I was his primary target he still touched other girls but he focused on me stopping by my seat more frequently and pushing his hand against my breast with so much force I was sure I would be brushed the left side of my body went numb and although i stayed quiet fully believing abu batad would kill me if i lashed out again inside my head i never stopped screaming it was a clear night and through the windshield i could see the sky which was full of stars the sky reminded me of an ancient arabian love story my mother used to tell us called laila and majnu in the story a man a man named kayas was so much in love with a woman named laila and is so open about how he feels writing poem after poem about his love for her that the people around him given him the nickname majnu which means possessed or crazy in arabic when majnu asks for laila's hand in marriage her father turns him down telling him that he is too unstable to be a good husband It is a tragic story. Laila is forced to marry another man and then dies of a broken heart. Majnu leaves his village and wanders the desert alone, talking to himself and writing poetry in the sand until one day he finds Laila's gravestone. He stays beside it until he dies too. I loved hearing my mother tell this story even though it made me cry for the two lovers. The dark sky that usually fronted me became romantic instead. Laila means night in Arabic and my mother used to end the story by pointing at two stars in the sky. Since they could not be together in life, they prayed to be together after death, she would tell me. And so God returned them into stars. Sorry, turned them into stars. On the bus I started trying praying too. 
Please go turn me into a star so that I can be up in the sky above this bus I whispered If you did it once you can do it again but we just kept driving toward Mosul Thank you for joining me I hope you like it Thank you.